0: You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome to the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. We have just received some breaking news. The NCAA tournament is going to be held without fans for both men and women. We don't know whether media will be allowed yet. Brandon and I, we were recording, we're re-recording this intro now because we found out in the middle of the podcast had to stop a little bit because we are so in, sh- we are so in shock. You and I have discussed this over recent weeks, trying to figure out, you know, if if this is good, not even recent weeks, like the past week, like, because we didn't realize how big this was until mm-hmm. this past week, and I think I said to you, like, I don't see them canceling at all, like, they would lose millions and millions of dollars, like, bil- like almost billions of dollars, and, um... I have to say I, I'm in complete shock right now. What is your initial reaction? Like I'm just in shock.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm not super surprised that it's no fans because yesterday I think Ohio and Spokane, like the governor said that they needed to limit um, big public gatherings, and Cleveland and Spokane, Washington are two of like the the regional sites for the first two rounds. So once they said that, I was prepared for no fans at least for the first weekend. Because you can't have fans at some sites, right? And but that's, that's the first weekend, right? So now that's the the full thing. Like this, this definitely uh, changes things. I mean, it's it's tough to say who is this who is this going to affect and how, because everyone's used to playing in front of fans and it, an empty gym feeling. I mean, I've played some basketball games at like eight a.m. on a Sunday or you know late at night, where now lot of people come in a far away town and like there's no way there, and like you really have to create your own energy.
0: I mean, you can hear like every single squeak, every single thing going on. It's
1: just, it's so different from a packed out Xfinity Center or, you know, the State Farm Center in Champaign. Just all these loud gyms. It's going to be so different. And I'm just not sure how the players are going to react. I mean, I'm not even sure who it, I'm not really sure who it has, gives an advantage to or gives a disadvantage to. I mean, do you have kind of a thought on that?
0: I think it makes it hard for everyone if I'm being completely honest. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just... This is just so hard. Like, I get that this likely was coming, but I kept just telling myself, there's no way. Um, I just, like, this is unprecedented. And I think it's just a shame for a lot of these teams. I think that this was a year that was set to be, I think, and everyone I've talked to has said this, experts and everyone, like, was set to be the craziest Big Ten um, NCAA tournament in years. And now it is for another reason, but. Right. I think that this was really set to be a unique NCAA tournament um, that was full of upsets and full of things. And I think that there's like so much hype around this year's NCAA tournament. And I, you've got to feel for the fans. I personally am freaking out because I, if we're not there for media, I think that's kind of uh, this just makes it really hard then also for the fans too, because then they're they're not getting the inside information they need. But as for the player standpoint, I mean, I've talked to guys about this, um, you know, Andrew Terrell just tweeted, some guys have tweeted and, you know, talked to me. It is really hard to play in an empty arena. Like, yes, you're going to have essential personnel and fans, but like, you can hear every squeak going on. You have to be more careful because if you say something under your breath or something like that, you're so much more likely to get a technical because there's no fans going on that can, you know, kind of set out the noise. And Coach Turgeon says this all the time how much there's a reason why Maryland does so much better at home. Because you get that hype from fans, and I think that is what makes the NCAA tournament so special, is it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime chance for these guys to be in front of fans, and, you know, we won't get into our opinions on this because, let's be honest, you and I, we don't really know full extent of this coronavirus. I think there's just so much that's unknown, but, I mean, this just has got to suck for guys, and, you know, just knowing that this could have been a year that Maryland could do really something special, you have to wonder how that impacts that. How it just impacts players' mindsets, because... I mean, it's just completely different. Like, I don't, it's not the same NCAA tournament as it would have been. It's not the same special experience. And now they're talking about there's still a possibility of completely shutting it down. So, I mean, this is just madness going on right now. I mean, talk about March Madness to a completely other level.
1: Yeah, no, like, I feel like if you're a team like Dayton, where you're not this, like, Duke or Kansas powerhouse school, and you have this once-in-a-lifetime team, and you're you're a lifelong Dayton fan, like, you're thinking about going to all the tournament games, and maybe going to the final four because they've been playing so well this year and now that's just taken away from you. In terms of the players, I mean yeah, it, it changes everything. Like you
0: How do you get as hyped up for a game knowing that you're just gonna be you, in front of an empty seats? You have to
1: create your own energy. And now it's really about those twelve to fifteen guys in that locker room and creating your energy and you know, you know, inspiring each other and hyping each other up. You know, I think the end of the bench becomes more important as those guys gotta give their team a boost. This is when like,
0: the South Pole comes out. Yeah, that's...
1: You gotta, you gotta be able to, You know, each guy now, 1 to 15 matters because you gotta give your team a boost and give your team some energy. And, I mean, it just... It's also, like, how will we view the national champion? If, if... I'll use the Dayton example again. If this, you know, mid-major Dayton school wins the national championship, are people gonna put, like, an asterisk next to it because there were no fans and it was a weird tournament, you know? Like, how does this affect the long-term legacy of how we remember the 2020 season? Like you said, a season with so many upsets and... Teams shifting from the top line so frequently, it now feels like we're gonna like we're not really gonna remember this season for that as much as we're gonna remember it for the NCAA tournament that had no fans, and it puts a damper on this season. I still think the tournament can be exciting, um, but it's just it's gonna be a different kind of atmosphere, and I'm interested to see how it plays out, to say the least.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have to wonder how it affects things, right? Because if you if you're a school if you're a blue blood um, and a school like Kentucky or Duke and stuff, and you just have fans in every part of the country. I feel like that gives you an advantage. Like maybe this gives an advantage to those teams that like aren't as, I guess like widely recognized or known.
1: But I, I guess on the on the on the like the play devil's advocate, there. I was at uh, Duke, Virginia Tech last year uh, at Capital One Arena in D.C. And any fan that was not Duke, like LSU, Michigan State, and obviously Virginia Tech was rooting against Duke because Duke is like the national powerhouse. So it's like, you just, you don't know how it's gonna affect teams because the, you know, at a regional site, there's fan bases of four teams there. And so everyone is like, everyone kind of picks a side and roots for somebody. And yeah, the atmosphere is a great part of March Madness. And now that's gone. And I mean, like we can't, we can't point back to times when this has, we can't say, oh, back when this happened X, like it affected this team this way. Because this is literally unprecedented; it's never happened before. So, I mean, we'll we'll see how it plays out, but it yeah, it's crazy and almost speechless.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I saw that news and I was you were sitting with me. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Like, is this actually true? Like, it's just it changes everything. Um, You've just got a feel for the athletes. It's just it's it's a shame that it had to get to this point and. It's just really going to be an unprecedented year and uh, definitely something that, you know, is going to go down in history. It's interesting that we're getting the chance to cover it. I, you know, we're covering around it. I really hope that we'll be able to attend to be able to give, you know, all of you guys information you need and just to cover that experience because, I mean, these guys haven't played in games like this for since they were little kids, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I was just texting one of my buddies was a college basketball player, and he was saying that when they do like the secret scrimmages uh, in the offseason, um, it's a, a really quiet crowd and like he said it's way easier to score and uh, shoot because of, like there's no pressure on you and there's no fan atmosphere and that takes away part of it from the fans because sometimes as a, as a fan and as a crowd like you feel like you can impact and affect the game by throwing the team off the rhythm and you know chanting at them and now fans won't have as much of an effect and like I said, it really comes down to those 12 to 15, 15 guys in the locker room and your group's got to be ready to go. So I think this will also – coaching, this will show who can get their guys ready, who can get their guys you know, locked in and focused and motivated. And So maybe better coaching will be an emphasis in this tournament. But, I mean, I have no idea. It's, this is unprecedented.
0: <laughs> I think this is when you see the mentally tough teams come out. Mm-hmm. It takes a mentally tough team – to be able to play without any fans and just rely on the energy of yourselves, you know? And this is I think this is really where you're going to see those tough teams come out. I also have to say I think it'll be interesting. Like if you're a program that doesn't usually have a lot of fans, do you even have the advantage? Like if you're a program like an Ivy League team or, you know, just one of these lower-ranked teams and you don't have you don't usually have a lot of fans, does that give you an advantage?
1: Yeah, some of those like schools though in their small gyms still get pretty loud. I mean, I, I, it's it's hard to say. I'm man. just saying,
0: like, I've seen, like, a lot of Ivy League games where, like, no one's really in the stands, you know? So, like, does Yale or a team like that have an advantage?
1: It it could be possible, but at the same time, I think a lot of times in those March Madness tournaments, like, p- other people in the building like to roof the underdog and cheer on the underdog. Like, I remember watching that UMBC-Virginia game a few years back. Everyone wanted to see a 16-seed beat a 1, so the crowd was giving them some momentum. So, like, it, it, it could really work one of two ways here and. This will be we'll, we'll, we will know um, after that first first Thursday of the tournament how it's going to impact teams, but it's it's a crazy time.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm still just wrapping my head around it. It's still kind of crazy. Uh, we will of course be keeping you updated on this throughout recent week. I mean, throughout the upcoming days um, with everything that is going on. As of right now, the Big Ten tournament is still scheduled to be held with fans. They released a statement earlier on Wednesday, which is today, um, where basically uh, they said they're going to be limiting media locker room access, but that pretty much um, they're still going to have fans. So we have not seen them respond. We're recording this Wednesday afternoon. It's around 5.25 p.m. So we have not heard from them any response since. But the first game is starting at 6. So it seems (laughs) like a little late. I mean, there are already fans, fans in there. Yeah, yeah, fans are in the building, so there's not much they can do now. Um, so it's definitely going to be interesting, a thing, and it's also interesting to know that like this is this tournament is the last time that Maryland and these other teams are going to be playing in front of fans for the yeah. rest of the
1: year. Um, I actually, somebody sent me a text just now, and he he said he thinks head coaches might try to get fans out of the conference tournaments so, so they that, can get used to so it. So they can get used to it. So that's not a bad thought. I mean, but it's like. A lot of fans have already bought their tickets, and it's like, how do you refund them? And there's going to be an and outcome. people have already
0: bought tickets to March Madness, so the refunds for that too, and then the impact it has also on the cities that would get a lot of money from all the tourism coming in.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, so we'll we'll see how this plays out. I, yeah,
0: yeah, and we will keep you updated on all of that. But now, until I guess some better news, right? Yeah. Um, some a bit, something a bit more cheery because I mean, this this is I, I as a as a basketball as someone who's just been watching March Madness since I was younger. I have to admit, this is, this is pretty sad. Um, and it's a yeah. shame I had to get to this point. Yeah. Um, But to some happier news, uh, Big Ten awards came out for both men's and women's over the past week. A ton of awards for both teams. you want to get into the men's a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. They were rewarded for their impressive season in the Big Ten. And Jalen Smith was first team all Big Ten uh, by the coaches and the media. And then Anthony Cowan was awarded first team all Big Ten by the coaches. The media put him on the second team, so that's still a terrific accomplishment.
0: And that's the first time since 2014-15 that Maryland has had two players on uh, the first team, and it's also the first time since 2015-16 that overall they've had this many people get conference honors.
1: Right, and then Aaron Wiggins, he won sixth man of the year. You know, He was a starter early in the season for the Terps, but Coach Turgeon flipped him to the bench, I think, during a shooting struggle, and he was way better down the stretch uh, as a shooter and just as a player, and so...
0: And he's playing starter minutes, it's just, he's, yeah. I, I think he's just more comfortable coming off the bench, and there's nothing wrong with that. If he's still, you know, putting up big contributions and putting up big minutes, if, you know, it's just a mentality thing that it serves him better to come off the bench, then, you know, it's clearly proved to be the best thing for him.
1: Absolutely, and so he was uh, awarded for that, and then Daryl Morsell was named Honorable Mention, you know, he didn't make one of the top three All-Big Ten teams, but I was still... Impressed that they honored Daryl. I mean,
0: I don't. He think deserves he, it. I think his
1: numbers go beyond the box score. You know, he, so and his m-
0: defense. I was surprised he was not on the All Defensive Team. You had Jalen Smith on that team, but right. I was really shocked you didn't see either Aaron Wiggins or uh, Daryl Morey on the team. One of them, because I think I've just been so impressed. We've always known that Daryl's this great defensive guy, but I personally thought that Aaron just took his defense to a completely other level mm-hmm. this year,
1: especially with Maryland being one of the top defenses in the league. Um, I think they kind of cheated because they put three centers on the list. And, like, of course, centers are going to have higher block numbers, but it's not really – how do you can compare a, a center on defense to a wing? You know, I feel like they should have included more wings and guards. And Aaron and Daryl were two of the talented wings that were left off the list. So. I mean,
0: and I'm pretty sure that Wiggins leads Maryland and steals. Um, I'm not exactly sure where he ranks in the conference. But mm-hmm. I, I think that's an interesting point. It's like when they're, you're doing those all-defensive teams, like they're obviously not going to be going through every film, but – You know, how much are you taking in actual defense in games versus stats? Because defense, like, yes, you can have blocks and steals um, and things like that, but I think it goes much beyond that, and I think that's what you see a lot with Daryl and Aaron.
1: Right, you know, it's like, especially a guy like Daryl, like, if he's guarding the best player on the other team every game, like Cassius Winston, like, he might not force Cassius Winston into a lot of turnovers, and so he won't get a lot of steals necessarily, but... If you watch the game and see the job that he does to limit other point guards and have you know make them perform worse than they usually do, like that's that stuff that goes beyond the box score. And I feel like the, the whoever voted on this, they just kind of rewarded centers for blocking shots. And I hope next year they look at more wings like Aaron and Daryl. So
0: who's the third center on the list? I know that you had um, um, Xavier Tillman, which I mean I wouldn't necessarily call like Jalen Smith or Xavier Tillman a center, but they do play they, that five um, position. Um, and Xavier Tillman got defensive player of the year as well.
1: Yeah, so they you had um you had Tillman um, you had Tillman sticks um think in terms of guards you had Nojel Eastern from Purdue you had I
0: honestly, I'm going to be honest with you, I completely forgot that he was still here. Like <laughs> I I thought he graduated last year and I know Maryland played them and like mm-hmm. you know, did well Only against them, but like I I saw that and I was like, "Wait, he didn't graduate last year?" Yeah, no,
1: I mean, he he's he's a really good defender, so I wasn't surprised with that. Um, um, yeah, but yeah, there's wait. We
0: can pause okay. it and find it.
1: Yeah, I thought the Big Ten like tweeted out. I and that's they what did I saw. Too. It. That's
0: what. Um, no, I didn't. I would just Google it. Yeah. Really like, search on Twitter. Ugh. Maybe Big Hoops tweeted. It.
1: Big Ten. They're not
0: active with their account. It's kind of terrible.
1: Yeah, they, they did because I wasn't like watching the show. Yeah. Um, I know it's somewhere from Penn State and then oh, Big Ten Mets, so this should be hit. The third team, second team, all defense team. Okay. Till- Tillman. Oh, so, Juru, Okay, right.
0: where's the best place? So, who else was on that team? You mentioned that there were. Two, three centers on the team. Mm-hmm. Xavier Tillman was the Big Ten defensive player of the year, and then, you know, you have Jalen Smith. So who's the third guy on there?
1: Right, so Daniel Otubo from Minnesota made it. He blocks over two shots a game. So, like, I get that he's a good defensive center, but of course he's going to have more blocks than Daryl or Aaron who don't guard inside. Um,
0: yeah, it just seems like this was really stat-based, and I don't think that's a fair way to judge defense. I get that, like, it's not really, th- like, time Like, it's not, like, a thing that they can do with their time to, like, go through, like, games and see different plays and stuff, but, I mean, I think that this seems just like it was more accounted for stats, and I think defense is a thing where it shouldn't, that shouldn't be just, you know, stat heavy. Right, I
1: mean, they just, they didn't, they didn't account, like you said, they didn't account for, like, the eye test and actually watching guys defend. I mean, Aaron and Daryl were two of the guys that easily could have made it. I thought... I was
0: shocked. I'm really shocked Daryl didn't make it. Like, I get it with Aaron, but, like... You talk to any coach in the Big Ten, almost any game that we have, they're saying something after the game about how hard it was for their guys to go up against Daryl. So it surprised me that coaches wouldn't vote for that because, I mean, every game we're hearing something from coaches about just how tough it is for them to go against Daryl.
1: Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, there's other talented guards left off too. I mean, Luther Muhammad from Ohio State. We saw the, diddy, the job he did against Anthony. Like and was, the Wesson
0: brothers both guard really well as well.
1: both guard really well. I mean, Illinois a player, Demonte Williams, who... He didn't score a point for five weeks, but they start. They kept starting him because he's so good at defense, and he couldn't make the list either. So
0: I feel like they're, with a team like the Big Ten, that with a league like the Big Ten, that has been so defensive this year, I almost feel like there should be a first and second defensive. You could you could
1: have easily fielded ten players for all defensive team, and that way you could spread the centers out. So yeah, I agree. You know, maybe we're in Indy this weekend. We can give the Big Ten commissioners uh, some advice on how to <laughs> fix the awards.
0: <laughs> right, and then for women's, I mean, I think it says a lot because with women's you have most conference awards for a program in a single season so you have both teams kind of doing something they haven't done in a while with men's it's been several years since they've had this many for women's it's the most um you had for a second year in a row a Maryland player won Big Ten freshman of the year you had Ashley Owusu who has been incredible this year I think her stats also like don't necessarily do her justice but you know she had 11.6 points per game 5.2 assists and this was during the regular season so she ended up and we'll get into it later, but she ended up being the tournament MVP as a freshman for a Big Ten mm. tournament, which is crazy. Um, and so, you know, obviously her stats, I think, are a little higher than this at this point, but she, at the time of the re- end of a regular season, she had 150 assists, which is the second most of any freshman in the nation. Um, and I, I've been really impressed with her play this year.
1: Yeah, no, she, having, I think last year they didn't really have that true point guard as much where Taylor Mike or Kyla Charles, who were more scorers, they kind of had to shift to point guard a little bit. So having Ashley on the team, I think, opens up so much for the roster. And now Taylor can Taylor can spot up and play her game and Kyla can kind of play off the ball. And so I think having Ashley and presumably having her for three more years is going to make things so much easier for Brenda Freeze.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you had Shanice Lewis last year, but the thing is, like, Shanice Lewis is not a scoring first guard. Um, and I think just, you know, Ashley Lewis, talent is just kind of at another level. And so you had Shanice Lewis get injured this year and. You know, that's a big role for a freshman to step into, to, you know, have to assume that starting role. But I think that Ashley's done an incredible job and, you know, just come in and not been afraid to just make a big impact. And I think it says a lot just with uh, Brenda Fries' coaching, how she's able to get these freshmen ready and have them uh, be able to make such a big impact. And then, mm-hmm. you know, no surprise for the next one, you had Kyla Charles, unanimous first team for the second year in a row um, in her senior season. and. Uh, I mean, you could, of course you were expecting that. She's just been incredible all year. It'll be interesting to see what awards she gets as we get into the awards season.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kyla, she's had a great four-year career here at Maryland. I mean, it only makes sense for her to go out, at least in the regular season, on winning the Big Ten regular season title, winning the Big Ten tournament title, and getting named to the first team. I mean, these are all things that she's helped Maryland achieve, and Obviously, I know she wants more, and she wants to complete it with a Final Four run and maybe a national championship. So if she keeps playing the way she's been playing, I mean, this team is such a high ceiling.
0: And she's no doubt going to have success at the next level. I have no doubt just about, you know, her success in the WNBA. I think she's going to be a great player there as well. And she obviously has, you know, Terps, who have led the way uh, before for her. And then another senior, Stephanie Jones, made the All-Big Ten second team. You would sophomore Shakira Austin make that team as well. And then you would Blair Watson on the All Big Ten defensive team, and Taylor Mike Sell with an honorable mention. So I mean, just a ton of awards. Six Terps getting different awards. It really does say a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like you look at their box scores throughout the year, and you know they had five they had five players scoring double figures per game. You know anyone can lead them in scoring at any time, whether it's Stephanie Austin or Shakir or, or sorry Stephanie Jones or Shakira Austin. Or you know Taylor saw, she's one of the best shooters in the conference, and she was honorable mention. So just the depth and the de- the depth that this team has, and the different ways that they can hurt you, like it really showed this year. And after a bit of a rough patch in the beginning, the middle of the season, Brenda Fries really got our team in the right direction. Was able to kind of use everyone to their strengths. I thought.
0: We will be talking about women's more later on the podcast, letting you know what is going on. Uh, With them, they recently won the Big Ten tournament. We'll dive all into that one. And now they're another team that's going to be playing without fans as well. And, you know, that has an effect on them too. So we'll be getting into the effect maybe that could have for a women's tournament as well. But let's get into this past Michigan game. Uh, like we mentioned, it allowed Maryland and Clint to clinch a share of the Big Ten regular season championship, and I thought they looked the best that they have been in a while, especially offensively. And it seemed like they were getting back on their defensive prowess a little bit as well, even though Michigan did have you know a decent percentage from the floor.
1: Yeah, no, you talk about the offense. I mean, they shot 56% from the field, which was their highest mark of the season. And all year we've been talking about Aaron Wiggins and Eric Ayala as the as the X factors and the guys that can take this team from good to great. And they were six for eight from three on Sunday. You're playing off of sticks and Cowan. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to knock down open shots in the tournament. So that was definitely an encouraging sign. I gotta ask you, as someone who's been around the program for a lot longer than I have and been around Maryland, what 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 does it mean to for this program to clinch a share of the Big Ten regular season title and have that you know be able to hang that banner?
0: Oh, it means so much. I mean, especially look at a guy like Anthony Cowan. Like he he said all along, he's been saying it all season, like he wanted to come back to get a ring to hang a banner. And I think that like some people have tried to diminish this so saying, oh like now they're sharing it with two of our teams. And yes, that's true, but we mentioned this on the podcast yesterday. The two best leagues in the country, the Big East and the Big Ten, both had the championship shared three ways. I don't think it speaks to, yes, Maryland had a chance to clinch it, soul and it sucks for them that they didn't. And I'm sure at the end of the day, that's kind of a little bit disappointing, even if they don't want to admit it. But it still means so much to even get a share. I mean, they hadn't had a share of a championship since 2009, 2010. Like It means so much to this program to have that. Um, you know, Mark Turgeon was talking about how it was like a gorilla off his back. It just... Mm-hmm. They There's been so much pressure on them all along, and especially this season, they were really, really starting to feel it of just being on the cusp of that title, and I think it got to them a little bit along with having, you know, four games in 10 days, there's just a lot on them mentally and physically, and so to finally get that, they were saying it's almost a sense of relief, but it's just this pride for this program because regardless of whether it's shared or not, this is something the program has not been able to do in a really long time, and it comes in a year where the Big Ten was really, really tough from top to bottom.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a huge deal. I mean, yes, they probably should have won it uh, by themselves outright and they missed an opportunity, but just to win it all, I mean, you think about where they were in the preseason, you know, everyone picked Michigan State as their favorite. Then Michigan won the Bahamas tournament, and everyone was like, Michigan is the team to beat. Then kind of in December, Ohio State had that run where they were the number two team in the country, and everyone was like, Ohio State is now the team to beat. So I feel like people didn't want to give Maryland their credit and their share and, you know, proclaim them the favorite and the team to beat. So I feel like Maryland definitely had some doubters to silence uh, after the preseason noise. And it's, it's a big deal. Like winning the big 10 regular season, like you said, in one of the toughest leagues in the country, it's a big deal. And I feel like you could see it kind of lift off the players' weights on, on, that weight was lifted off the players' backs on Sunday when they were talking to the media. You could just see uh, the happiness on their face. And I, I think it's a big deal for the program you know, whether they make the Final Four in the tournament or they lose in the round of 32, we'll remember this team that was so dominant for that stretch in the Big Ten and what a great regular season they had. So I definitely think it's a it's a huge deal.
0: Yeah, for sure. And just the way they are able to do it, you know, on Anthony senior night, being able to do it the way they did with just, you know, having all the fans there. You had Bruno Fernando and Kevin Herter back. And mm. it, it was just... You could just see the joy as they were, you know, cutting down the nets and celebrating. And it definitely means a lot to his team. But, you know, they were quick to say after. Like, we're not done yet. They they want a lot more. They want the Big Ten tournament title. Um, they want to be able to, you know, go to a Final Four and do all of this stuff. And we'll see how not having fans affects that. But that was, I think especially now that you're not having fans of a tournament, that's even more of a special moment that they're able to share with fans.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And kind of back to that game, I mean, It was their best offensive game of the season, and you said they're hungry for more. So, do you think that this kind of offensive outburst is a sign of things to come, or are they going to regress to the team that was three and four in that, or three, or sorry, one and three in that four game stretch uh, just a few weeks ago? Where do you think this team goes from here as we enter March?
0: I think that the team is going to progress up. I mean, We've, you guys have said on the podcast that like you thought they peaked too early with that win streak, but even amongst that win streak, they're saying they hadn't peaked yet. I think this could be the start of Maryland's peak, because even in that win streak, you didn't have games like this where you had both Eric Ayala and Aaron Wiggins looking as good as they did. You know, They together shot a combined 6-for-8 from beyond the arc um, and were in double digits. You had a season high for Eric. Um, he also had a career high with 7 rebounds. And then, you know, you had Anthony Cow and Jalen Smith as their usual selves. Darren Morsell looked good too. Um, so I, I think that this could be the start of something special for them.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think they're out of the funk that they were in when they were at one 1-3. I'm not sure they're going to be able to repeat 83 points and 56% shooting. But if they can play close to that level in these wonky kind of games now with no fans and neutral court and all that... They should be in a good spot, and when Wiggins and Ayala are hitting shots like that, they're a really tough team to beat, so if you can at least get one of those guys having that kind of game, I think that'll bode well for the future. So,
0: And I think also just getting that taste of what it feels like to have that championship, to be able to have that celebration, I think they want more of that, you know? I think that that can be a huge motivator for them, and I think that even, you know, having now, not having fans and stuff like that, like I think they can, Turgeon can use that as a motivator for them too. Like it's just another wave of adversity that they're going through. And this team has shown that they can really fight through adversity and join together. And so I think this could be the start of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, people, you know, Mark is a, Turgeon, he's a interesting figure in College Park. You know, some people love him, some people don't like him as much, but like what you said earlier, this March, we'll see a lot of it what coaching's about and how do you motivate your players and kind of game plan for this atmosphere. And I think Turner's done a really good job of the roster this year, so we'll see if he can keep that going forward. Uh, starting this weekend in Indianapolis, the Maryland's going to kick off their Big Ten play on Friday night against the winner of Penn State, and then the winner of Indiana and Nebraska, who are playing on Wednesday night. So yeah, I mean, so
0: we won't know the winner. I mean, you guys will know. We'll know the winner by the time this podcast comes out. Um, between Indiana and Nebraska. I, I think it's fair to say that we see uh, Nebraska... I mean, sorry, Indiana coming out of that, right? Yeah, I
1: mean, Nebraska hasn't won a game. Uh, they've lost 16 straight, and they just picked up two football players to, like, fill out spots in their roster, so...
0: Wait, they did? Yes.
1: So if, wait, if, wait, wait,
0: wait. Please emphasize more on this. They picked up two football players for their roster? So they
1: suspended their second and third league score, I think... Cam Mack and Deshaun Burke oh
0: wow Cam Uh, Mack was a big player for them that yeah yeah
1: and they were already down on scholarship players as it is so yeah so after Deshaun Burke and Cam Mack got suspended uh Fred Hoiberg picked up offensive lineman Brant Banks an
0: offensive lineman 6'7
1: 300 pounds
0: wait 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 they have a 300-pound football player yep. that and, is on their basketball roster. And,
1: and quarterback Noah Vegrell, a 6'1", 200-pound wow. gar- guard. We'll say How he's a did guard. I not know this? We'll say he's a guard. So that, to me, reeks, a, <laughs> reeks of a desperate team. And if Indiana, who's a bubble team, can't beat Nebraska, who just picked up two football players in their home state, then...
0: 300-pound, six. Jesus.
1: Yeah. So, wow. So let's, let's just assume that it'll be Indiana and Penn State. Uh, what do you think of this draw for Maryland? Just, uh, just first of who's going to win
0: that first game?
1: Well, just, I mean, just their side of the bracket with Michigan on oh. the other side, but, but I... because they could've, played, they could've played Penn State. They could've played Penn State on Friday. They could've played Ohio State on Friday. They could've played Iowa on Friday. What do you think about a potential Penn State or Indiana matchup for Maryland?
0: Uh, So, well, first off, I just want to say, like, there's no easy game in this tournament, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um... We've mentioned all year how tough the Big Ten is, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out on a neutral court because we've seen that home court has been a huge advantage in the Big Ten. So I am very interested to see how things are affected um, now being on a neutral court.
1: Yeah, and in terms of their draw, I actually think this was good for Maryland. Um, I think Ohio State's kind of peaking at the right time right now, and, and they just beat Maryland. So that would have been a tough matchup.
0: Where Purdue P- could win that game, though. I mean, we'll get into no, each yeah, game. No, yeah, I
1: do— but yes, I think Purdue could win that game. But you look at Penn State; they're one. They've won. They've won one game in their past six matchups. They're totally going the wrong way. Yes, they beat Maryland in December, but like you said, that was on Penn State's home court, and Penn State was. It was in December. Yeah, it was a way different team. I mean, you had the Mitchell brothers on the twin, the Mitchell brothers on the team at the time. So it was a way different game back then. So
0: and Jalen Smith had not emerged into what he has now been. Not whatsoever. quite. Yeah, not
1: quite. Um. And so I think this is a good draw for Maryland. I think avoiding Ohio State is good, avoiding Iowa is good, even avoiding Rutgers. I think Penn State is not playing like one of the top teams in the Big Ten right now. And the same goes for Indiana. You know, Indiana, despite it being in Indianapolis, they've lost 8 of 12 and haven't really won away from Assembly Hall. So I think that for Maryland, having the opportunity to play Indiana or Penn State on Friday is a nice draw and it's better than seeing the likes of Ohio State, maybe Purdue, Iowa, or Rutgers. So I think Maryland got a, a nice draw here. Uh, so
0: who do you see winning that game if it were to be between Indiana and Penn State?
1: So okay, so we're going to we, we want to start with the predictions. Yeah, let's right. let's
0: get into some predictions. Let's so, get into some debate. All right, so
1: let's go from the bottom up. Uh, Indiana, Penn State. Indiana just beat Penn State in Assembly Hall uh, in February by eight, but Penn State beat them in State College uh, back in January. So they're one and one on the year. Both teams kind of trending in the wrong direction, but. I think Indiana, the more desperate team in their home state... Will on take, the bubble. On the bubble. They'll, they'll, I think they'll take care of it in, um, in a close game. I look for Trace Jackson Davis in his first Big Ten tournament to have a big game there. And I think Indiana will squeak by Penn State and be a double-digit seed playing on Friday. Lila, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I think that if there isn't a change at the Big Ten tournament and fans are allowed to attend, because I know coach, some coaches are saying they don't want that because they want to prepare their players... If it is the case and fans are still there, I do think Indiana does have the advantage. Yes, I think Penn State is a better team all around, but I do think just Indiana is more desperate. And, like, I'm not going to be going through his bracket and just saying, like, oh, the, the team that looks better on paper is going to win because the Big Ten has been insane this year, um, and I think this is going to mm-hmm. be an insane tournament. And so I, I'm going to say that Indiana wins, beats Penn State um, in that game, and then you would have – Um, Indiana versus Maryland, and I think Maryland would win that game.
1: Okay, so we want to – well, you want to continue the rest of the Thursday picks? Sure, sure. We'll get into the Thursday picks. So then going back – well, let's actually start at the top of Thursday then. Okay. Uh, So Michigan Rutgers is a set for Thursday at noon Eastern as the 8-9 matchup. Uh, Rutgers just beat Maryland um, at at the rack a few weeks ago. And actually Michigan is the only team to beat Rutgers at the rack this year – you know, Michigan's had an interesting Big Ten season where they were the hot team early, and then kind of fell apart when Isaiah Livers got hurt. He's back in the lineup now. So, well, before before I even I, we even pick this game, who do you think is more equipped to maybe make a deep turn make a deep tournament run in the Big Ten and the NCAA? Do you think Rutgers has more of what it takes, or are you a believer in Michigan, or or neither? See, that's
0: hard to say for me because. It's hard to say, because if it was, like, Mission Co... I love Juan Howard, but the fact is he's never coached in a tournament like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact of the matter is Rutgers has not really had success in these tournaments either.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, they haven't even... Um, they haven't even been in say a tournament in forever, Yeah, so.
0: But, like, in terms of Big Ten, like, they haven't had a lot of success there. I think this could be a good game, um... I think there's been some really good games between Michigan and Rutgers earlier this year Mm -hmm. um, as well. Um, They've been fairly close all been single-digit games. I think Michigan is going to win this one.
1: Yeah, it's hard to be a team three times, but Rutgers just isn't super successful away from the rack. And I actually think Michigan, winning the Bahamas tournament, they showed they can consistently play good teams on back-to-back days. So I kind of like that about them. So I'll take Michigan... Uh, in that noon game, setting up a matchup with Wisconsin on Friday, and then moving down a slot immediately following the Michigan game, you'll have Iowa and the winner of Minnesota versus Northwestern. Uh, let's just assume Minnesota—they just crushed Northwestern um, a few weeks ago. I think Minnesota is a much better team there with Daniel, True, and mm-hmm. Marcus Carr. So, five twelve matchup in the NCAA tournament—it's a—it's uh, a very popular upset pick. Do you think Minnesota has the chops to take down Iowa in that 12-5 matchup? What's, what's your pick for that game?
0: I don't think so. Um, Iowa's been another team that's been really up and down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I see Iowa coming out of that game.
1: Yeah, I think Minnesota's been... They're, they're an interesting team because they play a lot of good teams close but haven't been able to finish like we saw against Maryland. And when you have Daniel Oturu and Marcus Carr, you're going to be in a lot of games. But I think Luca Garza, he's going to outplay Oturu. And Iowa is just going to be too much offense for Minnesota. So I have the Hawkeyes there as well, setting up a matchup with Illinois. And then the and la- I, think
0: that's, I think that's a big part of it, is I think that Luca Garza is more skilled than Oturu. They're both really good guys. But I think that Luca Garza has the upper edge there.
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, Garza, every Big Ten game. I was gonna have the best player, and that's you know that's something that even most NCAA tournament games. I was gonna have the best player, and that's something that bodes well having that guy that you know is just gonna get you twenty five points and ten rebounds. And then the last Thursday game we haven't talked about yet. It's the seven ten matchup, Ohio State and uh, Purdue. Ohio State beat Purdue earlier this year in Columbus, in their only matchup. But in that game, the Buckeyes were with. Uh, Kyle Young, who is likely not going to be with the team in this game with an ankle injury. And so that that could change things a little bit. You know, Purdue is another up-and-down team. Um, who do you see coming out of that 7-10 matchup?
0: Um, I honestly think that Purdue comes out of it. I think Purdue has had some good games lately. Um, and... I always would forget this growing up, but they are in, they are like in Indiana. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure they'll have some home fans there. I mean, it's only like an hour ride from Purdue. It says an hour and 12 minutes around from Purdue to Indianapolis. So I think that it's fair to say that you have a lot of Indianapolis alum living, sorry, Purdue alum living Mm -hmm. in Indianapolis. You'll have a lot of people coming out for that. and I just I think Purdue's been really up and down, but they've sh- shown some really positive signs lately. Um, so I honestly think that they can upset Ohio State in this one. I, I was kind of concerned with how Ohio State looked against Michigan State. And of course, mm-hmm. Michigan State has been so, so good lately. But I honestly think that um, Purdue can pull off the upset here.
1: Yeah, I think Purdue is a really scary team. And if they were playing anybody else, Michigan, Rutgers. I'm surprised by
0: how much we're agreeing on stuff right now.
1: Well, I'm going to pick Ohio State. Oh, okay. I'm going to pick Ohio State, but, like, I do think Purdue is a really scary team. And had they been playing, like, Michigan or Rutgers or Penn State, I would have been more inclined to pick them. But Ohio State, after their January swoon, has been really good. And Chris Holtman has got his team playing together. And I think I mean, I mean, think Chris Holtman is maybe the best game coach in the Big Ten. And I just think he'll have his guys ready to go you look at their, like, yeah, they lost at Michigan State, but they would beaten ranked Michigan and ranked Illinois before that, and they beat Maryland at home, so I think Ohio State's going to pull that one out in what will be the best game on Thursday.
0: See, I see Purdue just because they're a team I can't figure out, and I think that, like, the Big Ten tournament's going to be wild, and we're going to, like, have Mm -hmm. kind of some unprecedented stuff and teams that we can't really figure out, and, like, Yes, like, Purdue, like, lost at home versus Rutgers, but they also won at Iowa on the road, 77-68. to 68. Um, They've, you know, yeah, they've beaten Iowa twice this year. They've won at Indiana, at Assembly Hall, a tough place to play. They were able to beat Michigan State in such a weird game early on in the season, 71-42, which is, I think, probably the weirdest game of the Big Ten this year. Um, Purdue at Mackey
1: sometimes though is like a top five team in the country the way they just hit shots and blow right. Out. so
0: I'm saying like if they're only like an hour away from home like maybe mm-hmm. that has a big impact I just think Purdue wants to prove something they're not necessarily a team that like you know they won a share of the regular season title last year and then they've kind of gone down this year and I think they want to they're coming out with something to prove that like they don't want to be, like, this laughing stock of the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, last year in the Big Ten tournament, they actually lost the 7-2 game on yeah. Friday to Minnesota. Um, and they're, like, they're not quite on the bubble, but if they beat Ohio State and Michigan State, it'd be hard to keep them out. Pr- yeah, Purdue, to me, is the team that has the most variance. I think they could lose to a really good Ohio State team, but, like, if they beat Ohio State, Michigan State doesn't want to see them on Friday after the way they killed them in Mackey. So, Purdue, yeah, to me, could lose in the first round, or win the tournament Um, and so that kind of shifts us to Friday I guess we'll start from the top again we both have Wisconsin Michigan, who would you pick in that uh, hypothetical quarterfinal game?
0: I think that's going to be a really good game first off Um, I think that Wisconsin has been on the streak right now and I don't necessarily know if they can uphold that Mm -hmm. so I'm going to say Michigan Okay. Um, I don't I just like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of upsets in this tournament. I know mm-hmm. that Michigan is a fan base that travels really well, but even beyond that, I just think even though like Maryland won by a decent amount, like I think Michigan is looking really good when they're with Isaiah Livers, mm-hmm. um, and I think Juwan Howard will be fired up for his first Big Ten tournament. And I just think that like Wisconsin has had such like this winning streak, at some point they've got to lose.
1: Yeah, so I've actually done a complete 180 on Wisconsin. I didn't think they were that good in the preseason. And then they were six and six in the league, and that kind of confirmed what I thought. But to me, they feel like the team of destiny in the Big Ten, with all that's gone on around their locker room, with uh, their assistant coach Howard Moore got in a car accident, and he's you know he's still in the hospital. And this team is co- almost with seven scholarship players. They're rallying around, playing for their coach, and they just beat Michigan at uh, in Ann Arbor on February 27th. So that's. Pretty pretty fresh in both teams' minds, but...
0: And that was a 7-point win.
1: Right. But to me, Michigan's defense just did not look good against Maryland. And their defense uh, against Wisconsin, I mean, they let the Badgers score 81 points. I'm kind of all in on this Wisconsin team right now. They're playing well. They're gelling. They're really well coached. So I think Wisconsin will handle Michigan on Friday morning. See, I
0: think they're going to be that good team that gets upset on the first day. I just think it's going to be that kind of Big Ten tournament. Like, guys, like I'm not making these decisions that logically I'm doing what I think mm-hmm. like what upsets could happen because I think it was going to be an insane tournament from a,
1: from a talent perspective you could argue Michigan is the more talent I think team. they are right I just I just bought into Wisconsin and
0: and this, Xavier Simpson and John Husky's last Big 10 tournament yeah and they Michigan is they didn't finish them the standings the way they wanted to Michigan
1: has historically had success in the Big Ten tournament so that wouldn't surprise me at all uh, and then in the next This season,
0: next matchup is going to be so good. The next quarterfinal game. So good. We have
1: Illinois, and we both agree it's going to be Illinois and Iowa. I
0: really want that matchup. Their games have been good this season. Yeah, these
1: are two teams that legitimately... First of all, they legitimately don't like each other. Uh, in Iowa, the Hawkeyes won by seven. But then, just this past Sunday, in Champaign, Illinois squeaked out a two-point win that came down to the last possession. you got Luka Garza going up against Kofi Coburn. You have... Just, the guys just generally don't like each other. Both games have seen technical fouls. Um, it's going to be a great game, I think. Lila, who do you think is going to come out with the victory there?
0: That's a tough one.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: a very tough one. Because um, it's gone one-on-one one this year. I think after the way last game ended, I think Illinois comes out and gets the win. Okay. I'm go I am gonna. I also think Illinois knows that like, they could have had a chance to be at the top of the Big Ten and kind of blew it, and they want to redeem themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Iowa on this one. I think that the playing the day before actually helps teams. So I like that Iowa will have a game under their belt in that building to prepare. Um, and I think the, the game on Sunday, Illinois won, but Iowa was making a push. And they like they probably would have won if the game was four minutes longer. I just think that Garza and all that shooting is going to be too much for the Illini, who sometimes can go on scoring droughts. This will be the game I'm looking forward to most on Friday. But I think Iowa squeaks it out in what's going to be another absolute classic. Uh, Moving down the bracket, then on Friday afternoon, early night at 6.30, Michigan State, the two seed, will be playing either Purdue or Ohio State. You have a Michigan State-Purdue, so I'll let you make your pick for that one first. Who do you see winning a hypothetical Michigan State-Purdue game?
0: I see Michigan State winning that game. Um, There's no doubt that that loss to Purdue is just, in their mind, I mean that was one of the most uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic games Michigan State has ever played. Um, I, I know how upset Tom Izzo and all those guys were after that loss, and Michigan State is just on a roll right now. They're looking really good. So I, I and they they only played each other once this year, and like that was the only time they saw each other. So I think that like. I think Michigan State is hoping to get Purdue in that game. I think Michigan State really wants to smack Purdue in the mouth and be like, "That was that game was a complete flop. This is who we are."
1: Mm-hmm. So I have it: Michigan State, Ohio State. Which, according to Ken Palm, it's kind of funny. Those are the two best teams in the league, actually. So it's it's kind of interesting. And with Maryland being the third best team, so it's a little interesting to me that all those teams are on the bottom side of the bracket. Just you know, the analytics support those three teams as the best teams: Michigan State, Ohio State. It's going to be another really high le- If they play, it'll be another really high level game. Michigan State just beat them on Sunday in in uh, East Lansing.
0: I didn't think Ohio State looked good in but that game. it was
1: it was Cassius Winston's senior day. He had twenty seven points. And the Buckeyes still only lost by eleven. Um, but I just think that the oh and these are also the two winningest teams all time in the Big Ten tournament with the highest win percentages, both in the sixties. So I think we'll be in another in for another good battle here. But Cassius Winston. Like, like you said, in his last Big Ten tournament, I think the guard play is going to be too much. And Michigan State, another team that's had success in this tournament before, I think they'll get past the Buckeyes fairly easy. So I'll, I have Michigan State advancing to my Final Four, as do you. And then Friday night, 9 o'clock. The team <sighs> 9 re-
0: o'clock game. That's going to be interesting. The it's team, a late the team, game.
1: The team we cover, the Maryland Terrapins, they'll be facing either Penn State or Indiana. We actually both have Indiana. So,
0: but we'll talk about the possibility of both. Why don't we do right. that?
1: Yeah. So, uh, Maryland, Indiana, briefly. Maryland beat them twice this year. Uh, once in College Park, where they crushed them, but then in in uh, Bloomington on a January Sunday, the Hoosiers took you know took them down the final possession and were a bucket away from winning.
0: That was one of Maryland's best starts of the year, though they just kind of gave it up.
1: Yeah, down the stretch. Um, and then Penn State, like we said, took care of Maryland in December in Pennsylvania, so a lot has changed since then.
0: If you're Maryland, which of these teams would you rather face?
1: It's <sighs> a good question. It's hard to beat a team three times. I actually think you'd rather see Penn State.
0: Really, I was going to say Indiana, because I just think they, they, they play them twice, they know how they play, and they, they know they can get it done against them. I think,
1: I, I think it's hard to see on the, on the reverse. I think it's hard to beat a team three times. Indiana was much better against them the second time around. So maybe the third time around, you know what I mean? Like maybe the third time around that even it evens out and Indiana being close to Bloomington, Indianapolis being close to Bloomington might be a pro Hoosier crowd. Uh, whereas Penn State to me is just sliding in the wrong direction. So I think Maryland, if I'm Maryland, I'd rather see Penn State, but also I think a Penn State win looks better for your resume in March for what it's worth. But uh, if, so let's say Maryland was to play Penn State, do you think they would take care of them and get revenge for that December loss?
0: I think either way, Maryland's going to win this quarterfinal game on Friday. I think this team knows everything that's been said about them of not being able to have any success in the Big Ten tournament, um, and they just were able to prove they could win a Big Ten regular season title, a share of it. And so I think, like, I think for Maryland, they know what's going to happen if they lose this game. Um, they yeah. they are sick and tired. They have not like gotten past this game, this quarterfinal game, and I think. They know that, and I think it's something that's hanging that like is just like gonna drive them. Like they want to make it past the second game because they haven't in so long.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think that they're they're just like much better than Penn State and Indiana, and if they play anywhere close to the way they played on Sunday, I think they'll take care of business. Uh, so now I guess let's let's jump into our hypothetical Final Fours. We have different. I mean, on the top side. You have Michigan versus Illinois, so I guess on the top part of the bracket, in your Michigan-Illinois um, Final Four matchup, who do you see advancing to the title there?
0: Um. So so that would mean in my bracket I would have a matchup between Michigan and Illinois. Right. Um, I actually would have Illinois winning that. I think um, I like Illinois a lot in the games that I've seen them against Maryland this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I I think they have what it takes to do that Um, and I don't know if this is a year where Michigan can make the semifinals Um, so I actually have Illinois there and then uh, between a Maryland Michigan State matchup I think that Maryland um, again is looking for revenge in this tournament I think they're starting to hit their stride they know they've now seen Michigan State at their best and Mm -hmm. you know that they're upset that they let down their fans and you know had that loss on college game day. They've proven that they can beat Michigan State before and I think they can find a way to do it again. So yes. I would have my final between Illinois and Maryland.
1: Alright so for me I have Wisconsin Iowa in the final four and I'm a believer in Wisconsin. I think their coaching and I think their coaching will help them shut down Luca Garza. They're playing really good team basketball right now and like I said this Team of Destiny thing, like I just I like the vibes of the Wisconsin team and the way they're trending. I think they'll take care of an Iowa team that doesn't always play a consistent 40 minutes. And against the Badgers, you can't let up because that team plays hard for all 40 minutes. Down the bottom side, I also have Maryland, Michigan State. And, you know, it's, it's a funny stat because Maryland actually has the worst winning percentage in the Big Ten tournament of any team in the league. Obviously they've only been in it since 2014. And conversely, Michigan State has the best winning percentage of any team in Big Ten history in the Big Ten tournament. Tom Lizzo is Mr. March. He's had success here before. Cassius Winston is on a roll right now. And in the two matchups, Michigan State has played better for, like, 76 of the 80 minutes, I'd say. Except for... The, Not at,
0: Are you kidding me? At Michigan State? No way. They were winning for the last four minutes. Without Maryland. They came back.
1: Okay, you're right. Sorry. So like so the, they were
0: Maryland right, led Maryland by like early 15 points in the Mich- first half. And then half. Michigan
1: and then Michigan dominated. Sorry, I got that confused. I knew it, so there was two comebacks in that game. So, but Michigan, Maryland
0: led for most of that game. Right, Maryland
1: led for most of that game and then Michigan State took the lead and then Maryland had to storm back furiously where the second game Michigan State just kind of dominated for 40 minutes. I think that's the team we're used to seeing right now. I'm not going to bet against So
0: you're really going to have the two top teams in your final? In yeah, the, in the in the nature of the Big Ten conference this year, you think that you really think that the two top seeds are going to end up in the final.
1: The Big Ten tournament historically does usually go But that this has way. not been
0: a historic. This has not been a Big Ten tournament that's conformed to history. And last
1: year there were also three teams that were at the top, and you still ended with Michigan. Like there was three. It was a kind of three way mix with Michigan, Michigan State, and Purdue, and you still saw Michigan and Michigan State. I mean, I also don't think people are believing in Wisconsin. If you, if we go to the Big Ten and we ask other media members, who do you think is going to make it out of this top half of the bracket? I bet most will say Illinois or Iowa. I don't think people believe in Wisconsin. So while on paper, I think it's like the favorite. I don't think like people believe in Wisconsin. So that's, I guess that's my logic for picking the one and the two seed. Um, seems crazy, but I'm playing it safe a little bit. And I'm picking the two teams that are playing the best right now. So in your Maryland Illinois final, uh, who would you have taking it? Who would you have taking home?
0: That's tough.
1: They, they put, Maryland Illinois played two great
0: games, and that's also like I feel like that would be such an incredible game mm-hmm. um, if you had both them in the final. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. said it's tough to beat a team three times. I'm struggling with this. I don't. I think it could go either way, but I honestly think that Maryland is going to come out firing and win this whole tournament.
1: I like it, you know. Maryland. I think
0: that they, like you said, they have the worst winning percentage. They want to write that. Anthony Cowan's senior year, potentially their last game playing in front of a crowd this year. If there is a crowd, I mean, I just, I know that like they had that rough stretch, and there's been you know doubts at times, but I think this team is back on the right track, and I think that, um, I think it's like a mental thing where like they've really like Illinois has like. thought they were going to, like, win a game against them twice, and Maryland has just taken it back. And so I think that, like, they just have the upper hand, like, mentally in that game.
1: Yeah, no, they've played two great games this year, and they're two teams that don't have a lot of success in this tournament. So that would be an awesome final. I mean, Maryland has never won the Big Ten tournament. Um, Illinois...
0: And there are two teams that, like, they don't like each other. Like, they... I think Maryland and Illinois have developed as, like, two of the biggest rivals in the Big... Like, I... There's been all this talk about, like, Maryland struggling to find a rival in the Big Ten... I think across any team, I think Illinois has developed as that as that team in recent years.
1: Yeah, no, I am mean, after the way that Illinois upset them at Madison Square Garden this year and then Maryland rips last year? last year and then Maryland rips their heart out in College Park this year, then in Illinois' biggest game. And those know- fans
0: hated Maryland when we were at Illinois. Like you could tell that just the hate was in the air. Yeah. And that
1: is a great student section, but yeah, they were all over the turps. Um,
0: Underrated student section, I might add. It,
1: it is it is really good. That's a that's a basketball town. I mean, they, especially when their team is good for the first time in forever. I mean, Illinois has been in the Big Ten since since forever, and they haven't made the the Saturday the Final Four of the Big Ten tournament since 2010. They haven't made the championships since 2008. So they have a lot to play for and a lot of narratives to change. Like and Maryland I'm saying does. it's
0: going to be a crazy Big Ten tournament, so you're going to have those two teams that haven't really had success in the Big Ten tournament in the championship. I think.
1: I, I like that take. Now I have to ask because this is um, it's somewhat of an interesting question. You know, if you lose on if Maryland loses on Saturday, they get to fly back Saturday night and extra day of rest. Do you think like playing in the big playing another game on Sunday would hurt them then like turn around and hurt them next week if they have to play like on Thursday in the tournament?
0: I don't think, well, first of all, they would play, I think, on Friday in the tournament. They would play Friday if they're in Greensboro. It was Friday, yeah, they would play Friday. Okay, I didn't know um, that was confirmed,
1: so that helps for sure. I mean,
0: it's not confirmed they're in Greensboro, but the game in Greensboro would be on Friday. Okay. Um. So I honestly think it's fine. I mean, you still have a decent amount of time to rest. Um, and I just think that's like the best thing for them mentality wise is to know that they're able to take the Big Ten tournament. And I think that's a huge confidence boost going into the tournament. I get the stuff we've talked about on the podcast where like, Teams that have won historically haven't then gone on to win the national championship, but I think just like the satisfaction of knowing that, like I think, you know, it's one game. I don't think it makes that big of a difference in terms of rest and stuff like that Mm -hmm. when you're still going to be having that full week to really recover.
1: Right, and Michigan State won the Big Ten tournament last year, and I think used that to make. Then they made the Final Four, so it's not you can't make the Final Four off of winning the conference tournament for sure. Um, So in my final, I have Michigan State, Wisconsin, and as I preached earlier. Michigan State has so much success in this kind of tournament, and Tom Izzo and Cassius Winston have done this before. I love the Wisconsin story, and I think it would be really cool if they could bring a Big Ten championship trophy to Howard Moore uh, in the hospital and play for him, but the Spartans, they're just too much. You're going
0: to have them winning three years in a row.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, they're they're the clear, most cohesive team and playing together at the right, you know, they're just playing together Playing really well right now. They've won uh, seven of their last eight games. Like they're just, they're just, they're just on the right track right now. And I, I, the history of that. Like they're they're good in this tournament. So I'm gonna keep going with the history of that. And I think the Spartans are gonna get it done uh, come Sunday.
0: It's definitely gonna be a very very interesting tournament. I'm definitely excited to cover it. Hopefully we will be covering the NCAA tournament, but I guess we will see about that as we wait to hear more on that. So re- uh, really quick, as before, we wrap things up here. Uh, we have to get into a little bit of uh, we're going to get into a little bit of the women's team and what they're up to because they they have really 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 been impressing. They take the Big Ten uh, regular season title, uh, sharing it with Northwestern in a year where, quite frankly, like the Big Ten women's has been brought to another level of competition. I think mm-hmm. you've just seen a much more competitive women's Big Ten this year, and so. I mean, Brenda Freeze said it in her post-game speech that it just meant a lot for them to win that regular season title more so than it had in previous years. And then, you know, they are able to come back and win the uh, Big Ten tournament. And, you know, the seniors on that team, they hadn't been able to pull out the victory. They had been in the championship game and lost two years in a row. And I think it says a lot that, you know, their senior year, you have the, you know, tandem of Blair Watson, um, Kyla Charles, um, Stephanie Jones and Sarah Vujicic like they're just able to come and help lead their team to, uh, you know, get that tournament trophy back.
1: Yeah, no, this team, like you said, like the seniors, I think, are hungry. Just like the basketball team was hungry, the women's team is hungry too. After the way last season ended, not winning the Big Ten tournament and not making the, not going super far in March, so I think those seniors and those girls who were on that team last year, they're going to be super hungry and with the way they're playing right now, there's not many teams in the sport that are playing up to their level, especially with their historic margin of victory. So I like the way this team is trending heading into the tournament, wouldn't you agree?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that that this is like a really, really good team um, that has just like set all these like records and stuff like that that Maryland women's hasn't done. They have the highest scoring margin in program history. Um, I think they can they can get contributions from so many different people, um, you know, anyone on their roster, you know, can play. Um, you know the eight people that play, all of them really do well, and um, I think these seniors want to go out with a bang. Like I think this team really can make a Final Four. I think that the one team I'm really worried about them facing is Oregon, mm-hmm. um, which they would I think would end up facing. Um, currently, with the bracket, they wouldn't have to face Oregon till.
1: The championship. Until the
0: championship. I honestly think you could have a championship between Maryland and Oregon.
1: Yeah, I mean, with Sabrina I- Ionescu, she's the best player in the sport. But if you don't have to see her until the championship, I mean, South Carolina's been really good, too. But the way Maryland's playing, I mean, they shouldn't be scared of anyone. And now I think the week off will help them, too. Like, they just had that emotional high of winning the Big Ten tournament. and
0: I mean, two weeks off, really. Yeah,
1: and you know you know how good of a coach Brenda Fries is. You know, she's been there. You know, And you, so you know she's going to have them ready and prepared for the road ahead. I think having an experienced coach like Brenda, who's won national championships, that's going to help them. And that's not something that every team at that level can say.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we will keep you up to date with all of that coverage, with everything coming up. We will keep you updated on what is going on with changes with the NCAA tournament. And we will have all of your Big Ten tournament coverage for the men's team coming up this week. So make sure to stay Uh, online with TeSudo Times. Follow us on Twitter. Make sure you're staying up to date and uh, let us know what you want us to be talking about on the next podcast.